What's up everyone and welcome to episode 33 of the Justin Insight Podcast. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I'm a writer, I'm a lover of films, music and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I'm your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, so I'm going to keep this intro very brief this week as we have a long wrestling roundtable discussion ahead of us. Um, so rather than my weekly little review that I like to give you guys, uh, I'm just going to get straight into it this week. Um did go to Art Tangent for the last couple of days, but I'm going to discuss that in more detail in the next episode, uh, just because I feel like it needs a bit more egging out, and I want to tell you guys about it, but um, there will be a review of Art Tangent up on alreadyheard.com uh, in the coming week, so also keep an eye out for that if you do want to read about my, my experience at the festival. Um, as mentioned, uh, this weekend we had a lot of wrestling. We had NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 uh, and SummerSlam. So I was joined by a good friend of the podcast, Maz Gambadella, to discuss the nearly nine hours of wrestling that we had over the weekend. Um, as always with these wrestling discussion shows, there are spoilers. So you have been warned if you haven't seen either show. There's spoilers in this show, so you've been warned. Um, but for now, please sit back, relax, enjoy the discussion I have with Maz about TakeOver and SummerSlam, and I'll see you on the other side. Uh, so, we have had another jam-packed wrestling weekends with uh in brooklyn nxt brooklyn three and uh the biggest party of summer which was SummerSlam. um joining me for our regular little round table of wwe pay-per-views is uh just an insight regular maz gambadella who i ironically saw uh arc tangent and i saw a couple of weeks ago so i've, I've seen a lot of you maz so how are you doing yeah yeah i've been good it's been nice to see you the last couple of days so. yeah I was just saying uh, before we started how exhausted I am from just the festival and all this wrestling, like at least six hours of wrestling. Yeah, um, well, more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but no, I, I've been good, man. But um, Yeah, as you've touched on, obviously, a lot to kind of get through. So I think if we kind of start off with NXT, but kind of... I don't want to gloss over it, but as we've got so much to, to talk about with SummerSlam, we'll have to kind of just pull out the the best parts, I think. So, for in general, uh, TakeOver, Brooklyn 3. Um, I feel like Brooklyn's kind of become NXT's almost WrestleMania, because if you look at like how the show started with Code Orange Kids playing live, there was a lot of kind of thought put into the entrances and stuff. It It kind of feels... Like they're making a real effort with with Brooklyn. So, what what did you think of the the show in general? Um, I, I thought it was fantastic. It's probably one of the best uh, takeovers that they've done recently. And um, excuse me, um, they I think they've really hit the nail on the head as far as how the setup of NXT takeovers is concerned. I think they've really hit it out of the park with having a live performance. I think there was a lot of good reaction to it. And, um, yeah, you're right. I think it was funny. I was thinking about this recently. The The difference that NXT takeovers have to, let's say, like a SummerSlam is that 
not all their stars are so overexposed as they are on the main roster. Um, yeah. If you think about some of the matches that we saw at Takeover, they felt really special, and I got the feel. I didn't really get that same feeling with SummerSlam. So I think they've really got uh, how to approach the their pay per views, or well, I guess they're not pay per views anymore, but their their live events. Like yeah. I think live events so yeah it was it was fantastic and if we kind of run through the the card quickly so obviously started off with uh johnny uh johnny omega where did i get johnny omega from (laughs) johnny gogano uh johnny gogano against um cian almas um i'm really glad that almas finally got kind of like a big win and it seems Having uh, Selena Vega in his corners kind of obviously made a a big difference, and it's almost I don't know if you feel the same, but her instructions kind of like the the Lana Rusev role that that used to kind of that dynamic used to have, and obviously it's paid dividends for for Amos because for me I th- I think we've discussed this previously, but he's one of those guys that's got all the potential, but they haven't really decided to pull the trigger with and it kind of feels like they might start to be doing that now um i know we've there's rumors of a another draft or a shake-up or whatever on the horizon do you you think do you see almas kind of moving up maybe um i hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up but i could easily see almas moving up to the main roster because i i think he's in a position in NXT at the moment where he's really good at um, kind of I guess putting over new talent, new baby faces and stuff and he's had that role for well a year or so now mm. but uh, I think they've really um, they're really putting a lot of investment into him at the moment with um, his new sort of ballet um, I could easily see that to be honest because I just don't see I just don't see him going further up the card at the moment because obviously there's so much more. There's more people coming in now, and the main event role has changed obviously since this takeover. So, yeah, I could easily see him taking that uh, up to the main roster. If they do it well, uh, that'd be great, but you know. If we look at Rusev now, you know, it might be the sign of bad things. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, uh, this match in particular was probably one of my favourites of okay. the, the card. Uh, I thought they just absolutely killed it. Like, Johnny Gargano is such a great baby face. I think I've said that before. He's You can just get behind him so easily. And um, they were just really back and forth. You know, every, like, both of them look really strong in this. So, um yeah, and uh, and the finish as well. I thought the finish worked perfectly. You know, yes. Yeah. I I don't know about you, but I I could I could have easily seen Gargano winning this, but I think it was the right decision for Almas to win it because I don't think Gargano really needs a win, really. No, I and it's I, so over. I think it kind of built in, like obviously with the the DIY T-shirt being thrown in, it kind of obviously adds to the storyline of of him and Champa. Because th- there was obviously so many people were were predicting that Champa was going to come in and interfere, and it, to an extent, he kind of did because it's kind of all the the kind of uh, 
or psychological like effect that it's had on on Gargano that that little memory has kind of obviously distracted him and gave Almas the the opportunity to get the win. And the the little bit that I really enjoyed was, at, I think it was an end shot as Almas was walking up the up the ramp. It went back to Johnny, and he was literally just like cowering away from a t shirt, which. <laughs> Which, if you think of it, is stupid, yeah. but it kind of adds to the whole whole story. Yeah, because I think they need to keep that story going. Because I mean, let's be honest: when that match finally happens, it's going to be—I mean, it's going to be huge. So yeah. they need to carry on that story in any way they can while uh, Champ is still out. Yeah, no, I agree. And obviously, we've seen on the on our little. Facebook group like people posting all the the tweets that Champ has been putting, which have just been absolutely brutal. So he's obviously keeping up his end of the bargain, kind of thing. I think I should. I think we should say. I think we've mentioned this. Like every time we mention the Facebook group, we never mention what group it is. So if anyone's actually wondering, me and Tim and many other people are in a group called Wrestling on Facebook, and it's a really good like Facebook. It's literally the only reason why I'm still on Facebook. Because <laughs> I don't do anything else on Facebook. But um, if if anyone who's listening wants to get involved with a Facebook group that's involved with wrestling which is actually a, a good hub then um, try and check out wrestling because it's uh, really fun to be part of I agree um, so yeah we'll as I say we'll try and rattle, rattle through things so yeah. uh, go on to tag match Sanity AOP I think this was I was quite interested with the with the Eric Young dynamic in this but um, I thought Alexander Wolf was the kind of shine out star of this he looked absolutely brilliant like su- suplexing AOP left right and centre doing a, a little mosh afterwards um, the the table spot with Nicky and Killian Dane was I thought was brilliant it was quite a unique spot so I, I just thought this was a crazy hectic tag match and did everything it needed to really yeah I think you're right to be honest going into this I really wasn't that fond of this match uh, I didn't really have any expectations of it because I thought two heel teams going out into that match was kind of a bit weird but I I thought they for what they had they delivered really well uh, I love the fact that um, AOP came out as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> that was really funny um, yeah there was a couple of gimmicks and you know I, I just thought it was so funny because on the program on NXT programming Sanity were the heels going into this yeah. and AOP were considered I guess the de facto baby faces but what well, I mean if if people haven't seen Eric Young before like he is such a he is a great baby face like when he was in TNA and stuff yeah. and it just fit him so well to do that and I think the crowd were super into Sanity so I uh, it was a very fun match, very entertaining, and I think the the right team won. And to be honest, like we were talking about with Almas, I think they're another team, uh, AOP, which I could see going up to the main roster as well. Yeah. Oh, obviously, Sanity and the new tag team champions, and I thought this is why I was quite interested with the, with the Eric Young dynamic, because my theory was that it would be 
Dane and Wolf tag champs. At some point, Eric Young going for the main title and Nikki Cross getting another shot at the women some point down the line. Yeah. Um, so do you think that Killian's going to be the push for the for the main title or is he just going to kind of be the muscle to to Wolf and EY? Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I think that is right because it was interesting because at the start of this match you were in, under the assumption that Dane and Wolf were going to be in the match but Young took his place at the last minute mm. which uh, I was kind of intrigued by but um, I don't know with Dane like I mean obviously in his past like he's definitely been a main event player but I feel like he would be the enforcer yeah. know, to their team uh, so uh, I as much as I know how talented he is, I, I just don't see him being in that position at any time at the moment. Yeah. And obviously, we this was the first introduction of uh, Red Dragon on an NXT show. Yeah. Something that we discussed when I saw you uh, at our little My, uh, my Band's gig uh, in Basingstoke the other week, which you called. So, did you expect to see it this yeah. this this early? Uh, to be honest, no. Um, I knew that... Well, see, I knew... I got the impression that they would make an, an appearance at the end of the show, which they did. But yeah. I didn't think they'd uh, come out during the end of this match. Um, but you know what? It's, it's good because, again, we were talking about this before. They need more teams. They need way more tag teams. And I think a program between... Red Dragon and uh, yeah, well we don't know what they're called. They it's funny because they they use the their finishing move chasing the dragon. But yeah, they call the Red Dragon. So I'm not sure what they'll do with that. But I, I this was a great thing about this show was it started new storylines going forward and um, you know I could easily see Sanity and uh, Fish and Riley uh, having a great program. Yeah, and then. Uh, we go to the match of the the two kickers, uh, Hideo Tami, Ali Black, coming out to a mix of Incendiary and Code Orange, which was just fucking awesome in my opinion. Um, I'm going to be biased because you know how much I love Alistair Black, but I thought this was a really cool match. I thought Hideo, it was really interesting to kind of almost give Hideo the match in a way in in the sense that he was kind of leading so every match we've seen Alistair Black in in up to this point minus a couple he's kind of been the dominant one but this I think looking through my notes Hideo had probably like 80% of the offense in this match which I thought was quite interesting um and without a risk of it kind of getting that way the black mass kick is kind of getting a an rko treatment in the fact that it's kind of coming out of nowhere it takes one hit and that's it game over but uh, as long as they don't ruin alistair black which at the moment they're they're so invested in him i don't think they they will but at the moment they're doing great things with him and again he's he's someone that i don't think he's ready for the main roster but It'll be interesting to see what they do with him next because I don't think he necessarily needs to be in the title picture either. But I don't know if you might think differently. 
Um, well, yeah, after you saying that, I was just thinking about Alistair Black being on the main roster, and this is the this is what I was talking about before, about overexposure. Like, if we think about all the times we've seen Black, like, he's literally been in very minimal segments. He's been in, not squashes, but very sort of full-on matches. And, I mean, we haven't even heard him talk yet. You know, no. that's how little we've had of him. And I think the fact that there's been this kind of, uh, this separation from seeing him and, you know, him being out there is 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 good. It's helping him become a stronger character and stuff. And I, the the problem I think we'd have is, you know, he goes on the main roster, he's on every week, and he doesn't feel as special anymore. But I could easily see. I mean, this is obviously going way forward, but like, um, I could see him being the next kind of baby face to go for the main title on NXT if they he doesn't go up to the main roster yeah um, but as far as the match I think Hideo has looked the best that he's looked in NXT so oh far. yeah I, I totally agree this is I think this is the perfect match for him to be in um, you know I, it, they were just, it was just absolute just destruction I, I love this match it was so it was very different to all the other matches that we've seen because it was very sort of full-on, very sort of stiff and, you know, horrible, horrible kicks. But, again, both guys are really strong. Hideo didn't lose anything from being beaten. Um, so I want him to carry on being a, uh, a heel, kind of like this, like, I guess, a heel version of Alistair Black. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens, but... As far as the entrance, let's talk about the entrance a little bit. <laughs> yeah, go on then. Code Orange with the vocalist of Sindri doing Alistair's intro was just the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, uh, I loved it. I, I, I was saying before, I think this whole idea of like having live music and wrestling is a really good idea. And it just shows in, this, uh, in the intro that he had. So, yeah, I loved it. As we're talking about live music on it, I I don't know whether it was just me thinking it because obviously it was the other song that was part of the show, but were Creeper playing live? Because every time it, they played the Creeper song, it sounded like it was coming live, but they never showed them. So, I don't know. Um, I, I've, I haven't heard that. Uh, I mean, I... Because I haven't seen, like, obviously, we both know Will and, and yeah. Ian, and I haven't seen him sort of post anything, so... Yeah, I was going to say, like, Will's such a mark, he'd probably put it up on yeah. Instagram if that was the case, but no. And it was funny, because I, I could have easily seen them do, you know, one performance of Code Orange and another performance of Creeper maybe later on in the show. Yeah. Um, it was funny, because listening to... So the opening of NXT, they had Code Orange play um, Bleeding the Blur, but they did like a modified version of it. Yeah. And they just like repeated the verse, chorus, verse, chorus. So, and they had that tiny, tiny little mosh pit at the front. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. I loved it. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think um, the idea of um, integrating, because they see, they, they clearly have their finger on the pulse of like their demographic and what kind of music their fans listen to. Yeah. So I mean, I could easily see 
because they're doing that at the moment anyway, aren't they? Like they're doing like uh, downloads and like metal festivals and all that kind of stuff. So you know, it's just it's just kind of um, blending together, and I think we'll see that more in future NXT shows. Yeah, um, and then for for me, this was the the match of of the takeover was the women's match between uh, Asuka and Ember Moon because. For me, it was the most unpre- quite unpredictable. To be honest, I, th- I think Sanity was a bit of a curveball as well. But I, I thought Moon was a hundred percent going over. I thought this was kind of the final sort of bit for Asuka to say a maybe get a bit of a dodgy loss and then go off to to the main roster. But the match in in general was just I thought it was just so good storytelling throughout. Um, Asuka is just phenomenal. Her selling of of the eclipse was just brilliant as well. Um, and yeah, I just thought I thought this was probably the the best match of of Takeover. But we were you surprised to see Asuka retain? Uh, I I felt the same way as you. I I thought completely that Ember was gonna um, take this one because uh, the, the 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 way they've been building it, it's kind of it felt like it was her time, um, but I think there was a couple of factors going into it. Um, for one, I think they really realised what they've got with Asuka and this whole streak. Yeah. And they, I think they realised that they can keep going forward with this because, like, uh, I mean, if you listen to that crowd, like, they were super, super into Asuka, even though she was a heel in this, uh, to the extent where Ember was getting some not lows but some boos when they were announcing both of them um which leads me to believe that you know they're gonna carry on this streak a little bit longer uh my prediction because my my initial prediction was for ember to win and then Asuka to go up to the main roster yeah now that this match has uh happened which again was an amazing match probably probably ember's best match and um, maybe Asuka's best match, I'm not sure, but I could see easily Asuka staying down there, but Ember moving up to the main roster, um, and uh, the winner of the May Young Classic um, being the one to actually take, because imagine that, for them to, whoever wins it, and I was watching the Bracketology before we talked uh, tonight, um, whoever wins that, has won a tournament and then faces Asuka at whatever NXT takeover it may be and yeah. then to go over Asuka I think how over that person yeah be. so that's what I think may happen uh, but we'll see you know have, have, did I haven't seen the, the bracketology program yet but have they did they say that what the winner gets at all no that I imagine it's I don't know some sort of tro- there is a trophy I know that yeah I can easily see them because they're going to sign loads of these women I think definitely yeah and <laughs> so in the bracketology show they were putting over certain styles obviously in it the one that they were pushing a lot was uh, Kyrie Sane oh, okay the girl from is it Shimmer she's in yeah Wars. yeah she's in like a Japanese promotion and like if you watch any of her matches she is literally batshit insane like she's so like 
like how Asuka was before she she's got that kind of same style as Asuka yeah um, there's a lot of hype behind her um, but there's a couple in there as well which I could easily see you know there's a couple like MMA girls like you know some of the four horsewomen the MMA horsewomen are in it so there's a lot of like legitimate like fighters yeah so so I think that would be the best thing for them to do but we'll see I guess what happens um, I guess it starts on the 28th I believe okay um, cool so so we'll see from there but yeah you know it's weird with Asuka because like the streak's really over but what I mean how long is she going to keep that streak for yeah but it's funny you mentioned obviously about Ember as well because I thought that kind of bit at the end was very much a kind of a takeover farewell sort of applause from from the crowd so i've kind of in the the same mindset of you as that she's probably gonna head up to to the main roster now but we'll wait and see what happens when because there was obviously the shot of um both uh daniel bryan and, and kurt angle kind of in the crowd scouting as well so that's there's obviously plans for moves on the horizon but um yeah We'll get on to quickly onto the the main event, uh, Bobby Roode against Drew McIntyre. Um, the first thing I I completely forgot how big Drew is. Like when you see him next to Bobby Roode, like he's massive, isn't he? Yeah, he's really big. Um, I saw him live in Manchester, and I was blown away by how massive he is. Yeah, he's like at least six. <laughs> Excuse me. He's at least like six, eight, six, nine. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, and just he's because obviously they did the um the vignette at the, at the beginning showing when he was first in WWE, and obviously he's got himself in phenomenal shape now. He and he just looks like he obviously the time away has done him a world of good. He carries himself like like a champion now. Um. But the the match itself, I thought, uh, I know I've kind of praised Bobby Roode on this show before, but I think this was maybe his his worst one as the champion. I think, like, I don't know, maybe just because of the the presence of Drew and there wasn't so there was kind of a bit of a build up, but not massive build up going into this. I wasn't hugely invested and um like there was it was an okay match but the I think the biggest part of it was the the title change which I didn't kind of see happening at all but what I don't know what did you did you th- think it was any good Well it's funny you bring this up cuz I actually nodded off several times during well, the, I mean to be fair this was right at the end of takeover and it was like four in the morning in the UK yeah. or whatever it was. So like I was falling in and out of sleep. The, <laughs> yeah. the problem I think this match had was they have very similar styles. They're both very methodical. There's, there's no like rude is a great wrestler. There's no doubt about that. He's had some great matches, but I think him facing a bigger guy, a bigger baby face as well. I just think, they could have told a better story where, like, Rude's, like, being that kind of chicken shit heel, trying to escape him. But they just kind of had a regular match. There wasn't really a story behind it. 
And if I'm completely honest, I thought there wasn't enough build for Drew to win it. Like, yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, think about it. Like he's he's been signed what like a couple of months, and he's had like three or four matches, and yeah. that's it. There wasn't really much of a build apart from the the go home show, which kind of uh, uh, kind of surprised me that Roderick Strong didn't make an appearance during this yeah. match. Yeah. Either way, the problem is, I think the other problem this match had was everyone knew what was going to happen at the end, and that's what kind of ruined it for a lot of people. I think is that. Everyone was there just for what was going to happen at the end, because uh, everyone expected it. So you're just anticipating the end of it. So yeah. you're really immersed in the match, I guess. Yeah, and I've got got to admit, I was I was guilty of that because obviously, uh, admittedly, I was shocked that the title changed. But then, as soon as that happened, I was just like, right, when's he turning up? When's, when's he turning up? When yeah. when's the music hitting? <laughs> yeah, but. I will yes. give I will give it the writers massive credit for what they did. Obviously, you could hear the crowd sort of erupting because they could see him coming through the crowd, but obviously viewers at home couldn't, and they panned to Carlo Riley and Bobby Fish, who just seemed to appear out of nowhere, standing on the steps, and then who did we have, Maz? We had Adam Cole, baby. Yeah, we did. Awesome, man because I, I they they nearly got me they nearly got me with that damn trademark yeah in the corner. I was like no way you're not getting me another time <laughs> uh, the, yeah this is the thing like I kept trying to stay away because I knew what was going to happen at the end and it was more about that than the actual match that Rude and McIntyre was having but um yeah so what Tim was saying was yeah so Drew wins uh, O'Reilly and Fisher on the corner just staring him down Cole comes in from uh, from out of nowhere um, and um, yeah beats the shit out of him uh, we didn't see him sat at ringside I think everyone was expecting that yeah so that was good on the writers I think and um, yeah just uh, just you know Rude loses Drew's a new champion but he now has a new heel uh rivalry with the incoming Adam Cole which just sets up a whole new arc of uh, storyline with uh, I guess this whole new ROH faction that's happening yeah and I think that's that was obviously for me it was a great way to to end TakeOver I think because as you said we've, we've mentioned obviously before how well NXT kind of set up the, the kind of their next phase and obviously they did it really well once again here to be to be honest
so then we get on to the the six hour marathon that was SummerSlam. Um, yeah. Did you see pre-show? No. Right. Okay. Uh, no, there was. Uh, I believe it was uh, Jason Jordan and the Hardys yeah. versus Miss Taraj. Yeah. And apparently there was like. 20 people in the arena when that happened yeah and it was to be honest I, I kind of I admittedly I woke up when the match was sort of about halfway through but judging from what people have said there wasn't a whole lot of note to go in it um Miz, what about the uh, oh sorry go on no I was just going to say Miz, Miz got the win over Jason Jordan They're they're clearly building to Jordan getting an IC title shot against Miz at some point, but the okay. the best part of it was when Miz celebrated, he decided to get in the face of the one guy that was sat on the hard cam side, so you could just see all the empty seats. It was just yeah, oh, no. but I think he must have purposely done that because he he must have been pissed off to be in that position to be honest. And I think a lot of people were put in that the show was due to start obviously at. 2 p.m. US time, but they didn't actually open the doors of the Barclays Center until 2 p.m. So, oh, really? so basically, the first match started as the doors opened. Oh no, it's a shame because you think about where Miz was a couple of months ago and like how over he was, yeah, as a heel. And yeah, it's a shame. But, um, the other thing I wanted to, to briefly mention of this match was is Jason Jordan. Do you think he's kind of uh, the subject of bad booking, or because nobody seems to be invested in this whole kind of your Kurt son storyline? So I don't know if it's just bad positioning for him, bad booking from the writers. It, it was a weird kind of situation to break up American Alpha, who were less well just over a year or so ago were, were one of the sort of hottest tag teams in the. In the whole company, so I don't know what. How do you kind of see his positioning on the card? Well, I mean, to be fair to American Alpha, or I guess not to be fair, they were they've become very stagnant on SmackDown, and that's not because of them. That's just because of bad booking. But you know, obviously they split them up, and um, it, this whole angle being his dad thing. I just think a lot of fans kind of roll their eyes at it it's a very sort of it's a very 99 kind of storyline yeah uh it's a bit it's not very believable um and you kind of worry for jordan because it's not the best way to push someone i don't think no Um, no i totally agree you know because the fans are they're going to see right through this and they're going to see that you know they're trying to figure out a way to push him and it's not very genuine you know if he was like just winning match after match you know getting himself over rather than having Kurt as his dad I think that would work way more in his favour than doing this whole gimmick storyline but I think the the end goal uh, from people that I've heard is that they're going to try and do you know they're going to turn him against his dad or his dad's going to turn on him and there's going to be some match between those two at Wrestlemania maybe. Oh really? Yeah, because uh, I, ca- I just can't see what the end game is for this storyline, you know yeah. uh, they have to do something with it, it's got a, a 
accumulate into something. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, that might be the match you get at WrestleMania. I just, um, I just you know. don't know if I want to see Kurt. Like as much as I love him, like he just looks like a broken man. I don't know if if it's worth watching him in the ring again. No, no, and I do. I, I mean, obviously, I don't know if that's for sure, but I just, I can't see any other way of this storyline to finish. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I just feel bad for Jordan because I know what happens at the end of these kinds. Of yeah. <laughs> so, well, if, yeah. whilst we're talking about Hall of Famers looking a bit broken, sure. We've got. You, I'm not sure if you saw it because, well, I think they did reshow it in the main show, but. HBK losing the last ounces of respect he had to <laughs> of a generation. What what the hell is that all about? I so I didn't see that on the pre-show. I watched the weird as fuck KFC ad during the uh, the show during SummerSlam, and uh, they they brought that up, and I was like, why is HBK dressed as um, Colonel Sanders? Um, just seems very odd. Uh, maybe his movie movies aren't doing that well. Yeah. I guess. Uh, but it was yeah. just it was just so cringy because obviously the the advert they showed was basically the the same as what they showed in the pre show. But in the pre show, they showed like the full entrance of HBK coming out, and he was like walking along the announce tables as Colonel Sanders and all this. And it was just like it was like a proper like head in hand moment. It was like. You're one of like the guys that got me into wrestling when I was younger, and I now have lost all respect for you. Well, I don't know. Like, there, there's a lot of wrestlers that I really respect, and they've done dumbest shit. Stuff, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I just take it with a grain of salt. I mean, they've got sponsors. So I guess they want them to do things for them, and they thought HBK would be. He looks like Colonel Sanders. Dress him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, I, I did want to get your uh, feedback on... Because I heard this was the best match on the card, which was the Usos and the New Day. Like, yeah, well, there was one other other match, which was the Cruiserweight. So I'll quickly go over that as well. Okay. Um, again, Cruiserweight's being pushed on to, to the kickoff show, which I think... They need to to decide what the hell they're doing with two o five live because for me it just seems a bit dead in the water to be honest. But um, the match was okay, nothing sort of spectacular, nothing like obviously the matches Neville had with Aries. Um, the kind of cool sp- spot was that every time Tazawa went for the for the senton off the top rope. Either Neville was up and quick and countering it, or when he finally did hit it, Neville got his knees up, um, and then hit the red arrow and regained the title. So I don't get what the point in putting the belt on Tazawa for all of a week was was worth. Um, yeah, that just seemed really weird to me. Why would you do that the, the, on the go home show before it just makes Tazawa look like an idiot? Yeah, and now Neville's a two time cruiserweight champion it just yeah it just doesn't doesn't make sense to me yeah so that was that's literally all i've got to kind of say on that and i just as i as i just said i feel too either they need to get more people on 205 live i.e kalisto 
i.e. sign more of the people they had on the Cruiserweight Classic. Because I think, I, I haven't watched 205 Live in a long time, but from what I've heard and what I've seen, it's just a kind of rotation of Tony Nese, Drew Gulak when he's not injured, Neville, Tozawa, Dar, Gallagher, and Mustafa Ali. And that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really have that many people on that uh, show, really, do they? It's no. about, like, 12 guys, maybe. Maybe yeah. a bit more, but... Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. It's, they're doing a weekly show with 12 wrestlers. Like, how much can you really do, to be honest? I think... You know, I, 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 I think they're trying not to give up on it. I think they feel like there's something to gain from it, but I, I think a lot of people have given up on it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but if as I say, we'll get on to the the tag match, which arguably probably was was the match of the night, uh, minus maybe the main event. But it was absolutely crazy why this was on the on the pre-show in the first place, because obviously the two previous matches that the Usos and the New Day have had have been absolutely brilliant and again this was just an absolute barnstormer um new day came out in kind of uh red lantern inspired gear which just looks awesome um it was really cool because they've kind of started using xavier woods more as a competitor this time round because obviously when they had their their record-breaking run on raw it was predominantly Kofi and Big E that was kind of like the main two but this time round it's kind of Woods and Kofi or Woods and Big E rather than Woods being the hype guy on the side which is which is quite nice and and like he's kind of starting to show his potential in in on on a grander stage like some of the stuff he was doing was pretty cool his weird little tuck face slam thing that he does i don't get how he does it but it, that looks really cool um his his gimmick is that he seems to be able to kick out of everything though which is which is quite funny um but yeah it was just a really really good match like these obviously both the the usos and the new day have kind of gone at it numerous times down the line and obviously this is the third time they've gone at it with the new kind of new wave of Uso sort of thing which I think everyone agrees is just they've nailed that gimmick um, yeah and you can tell like, obviously they just have really great chemistry together because everything just there wasn't really many botchy spots like New Day were doing some really cool tag stuff, which we haven't because nec- usually you just kind of see them do that either their little uh, what's it called the stampede thing in the corner or Moonlight Hour or whatever their finisher tag thing is called. But they were ju- they were doing some really sort of innovative sort of tag moves in this. Um, the Usos would do they weren't kind of being overly dickish heels, but they were kind of doing like slide tags and things like that um mm. there's a couple of really good high spots from the usos like there's one point when 
uh, Big E was hung up on the top rope and Woods was down. So where they usually do like the double sort of uh, splash, like one of them hit Big E when he was hung up. So he's literally just like flipped out of the ring and then the other one did did the big splash on Woods. Um, and then they ended up with the double big splash and that's how they, they got the title. Um, but yeah, obviously considering what else was on the, on the main show, it was, I was just, I couldn't understand why this was on the, on the kickoff to be honest, but yeah, I, I think as well with, uh, what you're saying about those two teams, you can really tell if, uh, they're, they're a great tag team. Cause like, if you think about, yeah, you're saying like it's a third match, but still people really involved with it. And I think that really shows you like how how invested the fans are in both those teams and how great they work together. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with both those teams. And the th- I think the thing is as well, like all three of the the big matches were completely different. So and for I go back to the point for two teams that they haven't just worked obviously this this run. They've worked numerous times. When when Usos were faces, um, even going back to when the New Day were were heels, they were they were obviously working together. So to keep it fresh and to to get people so involved in this feud, it's it's testament to to them guys. Um, but as you say, it'd be interesting to see what what happens next because obviously, again, the having the New Day on SmackDown has been sort of a breath of fresh air obviously everyone's loving the fashion files but are they are they going to be the next team that kind of challenge the usos obviously you've got the ascension are kind of like the other tag team and then that's about it that i can think of on smackdown so it's it just seems to be in general that across all brands WWE have kind of hit a barrier with with their tag division obviously we'll we'll talk about the raw tag belt a little bit later but that's a prime example of of them being short in that in that division mm, they they just need more teams that's just cuz uh, again this is the problem with NXT as well it's like there's not in our teams I don't know why there's enough people to start new tag teams and stuff like that um, but yeah it's just a problem they have at the moment but yeah that's I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do obviously tomorrow night on um, on Smackdown to see if obviously the New Day are going to get a, a rematch at some point but what the what the further feud is is to be for the Usos now because Obviously, they had a little bit of a, a run with Brizango, and so yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see who's next on the on the horizon for them. Um, but if we get to to the main card proper, um, right? I don't know if if you might be able to shine some light on this, but someone said this was the first time that Cena's ever opened. A, a, one of the big four pay-per-views so I thought that was quite quite interesting if that, if that is true um, I don't think it is true I mean you got I mean 
if you go back to like yeah when Cena first joined the company I he must have been one of, in one of the opening matches I'm pretty sure he opened one of the WrestleManias uh, for the US title against Big Show ah um, yes you could be right that was but anyway uh, yeah I thought that it was like it's so weird seeing John Cena opening up a pay per view um, it was it was he's the curtain jerker it was pretty funny yeah um yeah, um, what did what did you think? I, I just think who the hell is Baron Corbin pissed off? Like the apparently everyone on Twitter. Yeah, which just it's if because I was talking. Well, Ed commented on on the on the thread that we had, like the live thread on on the wrestling group, and I, I said like, who's he pissed off? And it. Did you see this whole thing with the with the war vet or wherever he was? Yes, I did. He basically uh, just to kind of sum it up. He he said something to Corbin about he started something with him, and then yeah. Corbin kind of called him out and saying that he's just you know he hadn't done anything with his life or something like that. Know wasn't anything, it? Blah blah blah, and yeah, something to that extent. And then it showed that he was like a. He was someone who served in the army, and he was at one of the um, uh, what are their shows called? Tribute to the he, troops. Yeah, he he met some of the wrestlers at a tribute to the troops, and then Baron had to apologise like reluctantly. Um, someone was saying that it was because he did said something to Dave Meltzer. I guarantee anyone in that company wouldn't give a shit if you <laughs> had <laughs> yeah. Dave Meltzer online. I'm sure they don't care. But yeah, I think that was the crux of it but Corbin I don't know if you've been following him recently but Corbin's gone on Twitter recently to say like how none of the fans know what's really going on backstage and you know basically saying trying to allude to the fact that he doesn't have heat basically yeah <laughs> but yeah, the match in, in general I think for for both Corbin and Cena was quite forgettable to be totally honest like I, there wasn't that many sort of big spots. I think the the cor- the choke slam to the backbreaker thing that Corbin did that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. His the big boss man spot that he keeps doing is it's just. <laughs> I love that you call it that. That's awesome. Well, because that's what that's where it originated, it wasn't is, it? Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of got a, a tinge of Ambrose's slingshot. Uh, lariat thing now is he's, he's just overdoing it like the first couple of times he did it was pretty cool but he he did it oh, I think it's like four times in this match it was like okay we get it you're you're agile for your size it's like get over it um yeah I to be honest I don't think this did did either guys any any favors and not if it was to just to bury Corbin like who better to do it than John Cena, to be honest? Well, this is the thing that kind of uh, irks me a little bit. So, you know, he had the Money in the Bank fail, and then I thought, well, he must get a win over John. Like, John doesn't need to win, you know. I mean, you need to keep... You need to put him over somehow, but they didn't do it in this match. And, you know, half of me saying well you know John can't lose all the time he's lost a couple matches recently 
and you know maybe he isn't being buried maybe he's just being tested I don't know but regardless it wasn't a very good opener it was very boring I will I will agree that chokeslam back, backbreaker was really cool I hate 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 so much that five knuckles shuffle it's <laughs> the worst move in the world he he's like a mile away from his fist and it you, like, you see it like the camera is right on his fist going nowhere near his head and it's like if you want to kind of break kayfabe that is the one move that i really hate <laughs> yeah. uh yeah so it wasn't a very good match uh the fact that it only took one aa as well yeah a lot of his other more competitive matches like they normally kick out of one aa so yeah just not i think you're right tim i don't think anyone looked very good in this john winning it didn't make him look good it was just uh, kind of a bit of a boring opener yeah and I think it says it all when halfway through the match you've got people chanting to Corbin where's your briefcase as well so I think yeah. that pretty much sum, sums up the the official opening of, of SummerSlam which was I think start. I think was kind of the tone for the first half of the of the show to be oh, honest yeah Anyone who's listening who hasn't watched SummerSlam, just skip the first hour. <laughs> yeah. It's not even worth watching. But, um, then, cause, well, because there was a running theme up until we kind of hit the the main events, and that was within the title sort of uh, title matches, sorry. Um, so, obviously, we'd already seen on the pre show uh, the Cruiserweight title change. We've seen the SmackDown tag team titles change, and now we see the SmackDown women's title change uh, with Natalia getting the better of Naomi. Um, yeah. Admittedly, I wanted Natty to win this because I feel she's earned the right to hold the title because she's been in that division for so long bef- prior to any women's revolution or whatever. She's been one of the mainstays of the WWE women's division. Um, I think she's only ever held the Divas belt when it was once, maybe. And so for her to have a legitimate title run is something I think she thoroughly deserves. Maybe not in the context of this feud, but I, I think... I can't remember who said it, but she might just be in the position for for the time being for a Carmella cash-in some point down the line. Um, again, not the greatest match. Uh, Naomi... I will give one thing, though, because when they initially put the belt on Naomi, I thought there was a lot of work for her to do to prove she was worthy of the title um and i think this was maybe the best showing of her as a champion because there was quite a lot of uh flair and glow if you want to call it that um but she looked she looked as a strong champion and obviously on it took natty to put the sharpshooter on twice and the second one was proper deep for her to finally tap out but yeah I don't know did you did you think this was a good showing for 
for Naomi, even though she dropped the belt? Uh, I thought it was a great show, and to be honest, I didn't really agree with Natalia winning. Like, I, I agree with you with the fact that I think she deserves it to, to an extent, because obviously she's been there for so long and she's a great wrestler, but there just wasn't enough, I feel, behind her going into this match. You know, I think there's so much more invested in Naomi right now. I mean, first of all, she's got one of the best entrances of any of the women. Yeah. Uh, her title is sick. <laughs> yeah. I love that title. Um, yeah, so it just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I think Naomi, I mean, I think she'd be, if you continued this path of her having the championship, I think there'd be a lot for her to gain because as much as she's a great character, I think she's still lacking a little bit in the ring, <clears throat> a little bit. A uh, couple of things. First of all, um, Naomi did this uh, blockbuster off the Yeah, corner. yeah. And it was a very impressive move. And I was thinking to myself, why would she do that? Because that would hurt her way more than Natalia. Like, she's doing a backflip off the corner onto the floor, and Natalia's only falling on her back from the floor. <laughs> How does that hurt Natalia more, you know? Um but there were a couple of cool spots. Like I liked, um, the, she did like a, um, I think Naomi did a monkey flip, like from the apron to the the turnbuckle, which I yeah. thought was really cool. But the problem, uh, she, there was one spot that really annoyed me was um, Naomi did, uh, you know, Mike Bailey on uh, yeah. the Indies. Now he does that kick spot. Yeah. Where he does. Naomi did that in this, and I hate that spot so much because it doesn't look believable at all. You know when they do the kick side. Yeah, side, yeah. That really annoyed me. But <laughs> but the thing is, so I was going to bring this up because I thought out of that spot came a really good spot because the last kick Natty grabbed and yeah. then just yanked Naomi's leg, and she literally did the splits, which oh, yeah, that's right. which I thought Sorry, was yeah. was quite a cool kind of. Because I agree with you, I hate that spot. I think it's, it just doesn't look believable, and no. the, even for the person who's on the receiving end of it, they just look like they're kind of stood there not doing anything. But yeah. I, I will give credit to to Nay for that. That was I thought that was quite innovative of of them to kind of think to do that. Um, uh, yeah. I did also, I think Naomi did a really cool counter to a sharpshooter as well. She did. I can't remember for the life of me what exactly she did now. It was like she flipped over and she dropped Natalia on her head on the turnbuckle or something like that. That was it. Yeah, she flipped her legs out, didn't she? Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, There was, what I will say about this match, there were some cool spots. I don't know about you, Tim, but I really, because... I've been following Natalia for a couple of years now. I just can't believe her as a heel. Like, no. she's too nice. Yeah, I, I totally and agree. Lovely. And she's like the sweetest person ever. And she's doing... And she does all these, like, classic, like, 1980s heel things. Like, I, I wrote this town. She said to the ref, do your job at least four or five times after a pinfall. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we get it. You're a heel. You're not getting the pin. <laughs> So I just can't believe her as a heel. Uh, you know, she's too nice. Um, I remember. So. I I think I might have spoke to to Callan about this when when we did one of the shows, just us two. I think it was quite early on in her run, 
currently as a heel. It was after oh when was it? Was it after the whole like thing with her jumping Nikki or whatever it was? Is that when she turned? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, so I remember, I remember that obviously that happening, and then I think it was the next next week or whatever next show. She came walking down the ramp, and she was meant to kind of have like a a smarmy kind of smirk on her face, but it just looked like she was smiling, and it was like it was just the same thing. Like I just don't I don't buy her as a heel, and even like all this time, like even when she was doing the stuff with um, I can't remember what they called the group when it was Carmella, her Tamina, and James oh. Ellsworth. The welcoming committee. That was it. Um, even then, like, she wasn't believable as, as a heel in, within that group. But, no. as you say, I, I think the if the rumour's true, then she's just kind of a, a holding champion for, for Carmella to, to cash in, to be honest. But if that's the position they want her in, then, then fair play. At least she's kind of in the history book. She'll... She'll have a, a title reign against her name, which, as as we've both mentioned, I think she kind of deserves on merit, to be honest. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and then we move on. I've literally got this marked down as the match of the bigs. <laughs> big versus big. Big versus big, with annoying little man in a cage. Um, though, though, credit where credit's due, Enzo can still cut one hell of a promo um i'm just like many people that will clearly get on to to the crowd reaction to this match in a minute but i was really invested in this when the initial breakup happened now it's just dead in the water like this is maybe the th- third or fourth match that enzo uh, sorry Cass and Big Show have had and okay fair play like for them to still use Big Show in this kind of battle of the giants kind of position but they should they I don't think it's necessary I think if they're going to have a feud with Enzo and Cass splitting up they need to have Cass literally beating the shit out of Enzo to the point where he's off TV for a bit, comes back and gets the revenge win. Um, the point of the shark cage, again, like, I can't remember who said it, but it just seems like they've obviously ran out of ideas to try and sell this stupid toy that they built for some reason. Yeah. And even it's like third shark cage match we've had as well. In in the space of a year as well. Yeah. Which is just Crazy. just nuts, and again, it di- it didn't add anything. Like the, the you would have thought, you would have thought, right? They went okay. So the first match, someone got out or they interfered. Let's not try on the second one. Second match, someone interf- the guy in the cage interferes. They really don't get it, do they? That someone, they're all. No matter if you put them in a cage or not, they're gonna interfere somehow. But the the point, the one in this was like, the interference made literally no sense. <laughs> no difference at all. He he got out and then got a boot to the face. It just it just yeah. Oh, I what I will say, the the one benefit of this entire match was, 
Cass has new music. Finally. Which is, finally, which is a bit better than whatever the hell his old music. Was. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've literally got a couple of notes here. It's just, it was really boring. There was boring chants. There was rest holds. The only time that I was really invested was when Big Show was selling his hat. Yeah. But then that was shadowed by the fact that there was this annoying little man in a cage above him shouting all the time. Yeah, which I get that's obviously Enzo's position, but it, it was just, it was so irritating. And the the whole kind of bit greasing himself up to get out of the cage, I just thought Joey Ryan's going to be sending a lawsuit somewhere. Um, but I thought that was quite funny, but again, it didn't result in anything. Yeah, and the... What, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I forgot to mention it but when obviously Cass came out he interrupted Enzo's spiel the the lighting of Enzo, uh, Cass's entrance made him look like he was just red as raw which I thought was quite funny um, yeah but then when they Sweet kind of yeah <laughs> um, but like when they kind of confronted each other in the ring before Enzo got in the cage, you thought, like, I don't know, maybe Cass gets a cheap shot in, knocks him out and throws him in the cage or something. Like, there just needed to be a bit more dynamic to to it. And as you mentioned, Maz, obviously there was a boring chance, and I think that just literally sums up what this match was. There was, like, I, I couldn't... Apart from show selling his injured hand, and obviously... Enzo coming out of the cage just to get big booted. I can't remember any other spots in this match. No, and I think the other problem I found with it is that I just don't believe. I just don't believe enough in them hating each other. It didn't seem like first of all, it seemed like Cash didn't really give a shit. Yeah. Anyway, like he didn't really care if Enzo was there or not. You know. So again, that's me not invested in this whole feud. And it's like, when you take Enzo out of the equation, you've got Big Show versus Big Cass, which is just just another typical match. And it was boring. You know, there was rest holds, it was, you know, a lot of selling, and, you know, you can't get invested in that. Yeah, and it's just bizarre, because they did the, the breakup so well. Yeah. And it's just amounted to, to nothing so quickly, but... You hope that they've kind of got a direction going down the line. As as I say, I I wanted them to to do the point where Cass literally beat the living shit out of Enzo. So he was off TV for a bit, and then yeah. you could imagine the pop when his music hits and he comes back. I think that'd but... be a great storyline. There you go. I should be writing for the WWE. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing, WWE? Get in contact with him. There we go. Nice. Um, yeah. I. And I'm not even going to introduce this next match. I'm just going to say fuck off. Uh, I've written one line, which was burial. What? And that's what this was. Oh, just... We've had three burials. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's weird, man. Uh, I mean, when I when I asked people why are they having a match uh, it was apparently because neither of them had a match at SummerSlam which I thought that was a weird reason Yeah, and um, I thought 
Uh, I thought Orton would get. I mean, well, I thought Rusev would get at least something out of this because he's not been used. Maybe it's because Sky Sports said that Rusev was the champion. I don't know. Did you see that? No. Oh no! <laughs> he was on Sky Sports. Like someone put a um, like a, J- a a gif or something, and it said like WWE champion Rusev. And it was on Sky <laughs> Sports. And he's being interviewed. But either way, um, I he needs. I think. I, I don't know what he's done. He's clearly done something to yeah. piss them off. He must have. Like, maybe it was because of the whole engagement thing. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. But he needs to... I think he needs to go. He needs to go do something else because I just can't see him... Do, like, think about... Think about since he came up from NXT. He was literally built up to lose to Cena and then what has he done after that he did that stupid angle with Dolph Ziggler and Lana the love triangle yeah and then he did I guess just forgettable feuds in my opinion unfortunately yeah it's a shame because he's great like him online is is the best thing ever (laughs) Southpaw Wrestling is the best thing ever but that's that's the thing as well like he's Rusev is such a good competitor. Yeah. And I get, like, they the whole kind of... Well, I don't get it because it's just xenophobic, but like, the whole stereotypical foreign heel. But yeah. he's not even that anymore. It's just... No. I just, yeah. I mean, they've got someone there, I guess. they got Jinder's now, that guy. Yeah. So he's taken his place. So, I, yeah. Shame, really. He's he's so good. He's so underrated as well. Yeah, but hopefully they'll they'll come up with something for him. Maybe when we get the the shuffle again, he might switch back to Raw. I don't, I, I don't know, but even because there's talks of people dropping down to back to and well, I know it says down. That sounds horrible, but going to NXT, going the other way. So yeah. maybe put him in there. I don't know. Don't know. We'll see. I guess. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Um, I thought this was actually going to be a match, but I guess they didn't have enough time. I mean, to be honest, it's a four-hour show, and they've had like there's a lot of matches. <laughs> yeah. Um. So if we move swiftly on to the the Raw Women's title, and yet again another another title change, which for for me my heart was was broken because the love of my life Alexa Bliss is no longer the champion um mm. this was a considering the match they had a um great balls of fire this was a, a little bit underrated i think for considering we know how well the two can work together um it kind it of underwhelming yeah sorry like it kind of felt like Sasha was pulling her punches a little bit. I don't know why, but there were just certain parts of it where it kind of felt like Sasha knew she was going to win, so she felt like she didn't need to go full tilt. I I don't know if that was just me. Uh, Well, if you think about that, I mean, their match at Great Balls of Fire was, was pretty good. Um, they had that finish, obviously, where Sasha 
table, is that right? Oh, she jumped off the announce table and did the, like, meteor on knees, didn't she? Yeah, that's right. So you think, like, going forward, that would, like, kick off, like, a really big feud, you know, because that's kind of a great way to end a match. But for this match, it seems, yeah, like you say, underwhelming. There were, it just, I don't really have too many notes on this match. No. It was, it was a good match. I like the fact that Sasha came out as a peacock. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't know what that was about, but... Um, I, I did actually write down because she, so I think, I think the plan is is that they're building to uh, a match between her and Bailey, yeah, uh, Sasha and Bailey. And when you when you saw the start of this, like uh, she had a backstage thing with Bailey and she got booed really badly. Bailey did, yeah, and she actually got booed on Takeover as well. She did, yeah. Uh, which was which I mean I couldn't. I cannot believe that they could fuck up a character that concrete, but they they have. So maybe they go into whatever the next match is, as Bailey being the heel and Sash being the face. Um, yeah, but I, again, I don't really have much more than that really about this match. No, I've I literally the only other notes I have of, of note were the fact that Banks kicked out of Twisted Bliss and then. That whilst she was kind of got had the bank statement on was kind of attacking uh, Bliss's shoulders and that that's kind of it as again one of the matches that didn't really have many kind of high spots. But I'll be interested to see what they do with Alexa now because as as you say it kind of feels though because obviously the the original match was meant to be. Bliss and Bailey, so it would have been interesting to see if Bailey still would have got gone over in that situation or not. Um, yeah, but, but I think that's probably what the plan was. Uh, I think Bliss was gonna lose regardless. Yeah, um, it's it's a weird one because now you think, well, what's Bliss gonna do? You know what is there to do after yeah. the title? You know, I mean, I guess she might have a rematch, um, but this is a problem. I think there's a lot of problems they have on SmackDown and Raw. Is that once people lose matches or lose feuds, then they're kind of there's no plan going forward a lot of the time. Yeah. So, oh, got to find someone. I mean, look at Orton and Rusev. I mean, where did that come from? Yeah. You know. Well, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think. Going back to what we said about NXT, like how well they've kind of done with progressing stories on, is something that the main roster don't seem to to do all that well at all. No, no, it's a shame. Uh, I feel bad for Bliss now because you don't know what is going to happen with her now. Yeah, the the only thing I can kind of think of is obviously they've obviously cottoned on that Bliss and. Nia Jax are, are best friends in real life um, so they're kind of starting to put them two together so okay. I don't know maybe some da- somewhere down the line Bliss gets another title shot and Nia is kind of like her enforcer I, I, I don't know but yeah, I don't know if that would do Bliss any favours to be honest because we've seen how good she's she's been and I think like in all honesty she's probably the standout competitor of 2017 so far well I was
was going to ask you, Tim, because I don't, I, like I've said on many occasions, I don't actually watch Raw and SmackDown. So, like, going into this, did it feel like Sasha was going to win it? Or, like, was were people still behind Bliss? Like, did it feel like a, like a, uh, a weird change? I think, well, because obviously, as I mentioned, it was all... Meant to, it was meant to be Bailey, and obviously, the the change with with Sasha. It was kind of weird because there wasn't there was a build up to it, but neither of them were kind of overly favourites because obviously everyone likes Bliss, even though she's a heel. Yeah. But this there was because obviously there was that weird period with Sasha where she was just losing constantly so she's almost all of a sudden gone back on the incline so it was weird there was no sort of favorite so i guess out of the title changes this wasn't too much of a shock um pers- as i say I've, I've got a soft spot for alexa bliss so i i wanted her to retain but i guess I don't even know if it really makes much sense putting the putting the belt on Sasha, but it's it's again it's kind of like the the tag team situation, like the Raw Women's Division. Like you've got Emma and Dana Brooke in there, who don't seem to get a look in at all. I mean, Emma did quite well in the in the uh, I think it was a Fatal Four Way or whatever it was to determine who would take. Bailey's spot but that's the first like decent showing we've seen of Emma in a long time but apart from that it's just a kind of rotation of Bailey, Bliss, Nia Jax Sasha Banks so yeah I don't know it's just it's almost kind of like the whole company's kind kind of become a little oversaturated and they need to have more faith in their kind of mid-card people, I think. I think that's the kind of the best way forward, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this whole show as a whole, the the only match in my mind that felt special was the main event. Yeah, like I, I totally agree. Match, yeah, exactly. Every other match felt like, okay, you know, this match is happening, this feed's going, blah, blah. You know, the main event was what I reckon probably 80% of the people we watched this pay-per-view were there to watch, you know, so yeah, that's the problem, and I, I don't know what the what the answer is to make them seem more relatable, believable, I don't know, but it seems to be an ongoing problem with this entire, um, this entire pay-per-view. Yeah. You could get high or you could get and we move on to uh, the Eater of Worlds against the Demon King. Um, I noted that it's actually well, it was a year to the to the day since we've seen Finn Balor as as the Demon, because obviously last time we saw him was yeah. winning the Universal Championship against. Seth Rollins at SummerSlam and then he got obviously injured during that match and that was the last time we've seen him in in full makeup but um I'm I'm a sucker for for Finn's demon entrance so so what what did you think of it uh I wrote 
wrote down here that his entrance was longer than Rusev's entire match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, to, to be serious, they they obviously have a lot invested in Finn. His entrance is phenomenal. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 really great. Um, uh, the the probably one of the best entrance, probably the best entrance of the entire show. To yeah. Uh, the the only problem I have with the demon uh, is that there's not really much difference between Finn and the demon except that he snarls a little bit more now. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, I obviously sorry. Go on. I was just gonna say I I, I messaged I mentioned this in our wrestling group that um, I'd like to see him go sort of full Jekyll and Hyde with, with it and kind of. When he becomes the demon, he almost has completely dif- different offense. Yeah, maybe like work more as a heel, or just like just go really full on, like because he still does like high spots and stuff. Yeah, which is you know, which is fine, but it's like more of a like a you know go get and baby face type of thing. You know, maybe a bit more grounded and you know maybe less snarly. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I. I thought the match was fine, you know, yeah. they both wrestled well, uh, Bray loses again, um, you know, this is just how it is now, yeah, it's, it does. and again, it's like, if we go back to, to earlier in the year, like when we did the Elimination Chamber one, I see him winning the title there, and I was absolutely thrilled, and I had this hot, obviously... I know I don't work for WWE, but I had this whole vision of him going on this massive long run as a champion and all this, blah, 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 blah. And then they did the bloody stupid House of Horrors thing. And it just seems to be be a downward spiral since then. And, like, as much as I don't want to see it, Luke Harper's not doing anything at the moment. Eric Rowan's not doing anything at the moment. They might have to kind of put the Wyatts back together just to kind of give Bray that edge back, and it's just like mm. I don't, I don't really know what they're they're doing with him to be honest. But like the match in general, as you said, Maz, I think it was okay. the The psychology of it was quite cool. I thought that obviously Bray's meant to be this guy who gets in his opponent's mind, but he couldn't sort of get into the mind of of Finn as the demon, which was which was quite cool. There was a um, a nice little spot where uh, Bray was about to do his weird, creepy tarantula thing, and Finn just stared, like flipped over and stared him dead in the face, which I thought was quite cool. Um, yeah, I like that spot. And but yeah, and the other thing I thought was was quite interesting is that admit. It annoyed me that they kept saying it on commentary, but when the two times that Bray went to hit Sister Abigail, obviously Finn escaped, but they kept on commentary they kept saying he reversed it, but he didn't reverse it because he just kind of got out and stood there. If he reversed it, he would have done the move. So yeah. I, I saw it more of his escape, but that's just me being picky. Um, but I thought that was quite cool that the fact that he he didn't hit Sister Abigail. Um, again I know this wasn't exactly a standout match but 
I'd kind, I do kind of want them to eke it on a little bit more, just to sort of kind of ingrain the demon character a bit more, get a bit more of what the demon character is meant to be out. And I think Bray is the perfect person to do that. Um, but again, it's kind of the, the where does Bray sit in the whole thing? Does he just take the loss to put Finn over? I, I don't know. Well, I was actually about to would love to see the same. I think this has the potential to do... I think this is, has the potential to do a lot more for Bray than Finn. Because Finn, I mean, he's over. He's over like Robert. Like, everyone loves him. You know, if you heard the crowd tonight, they were into everything. Probably more the entrance, to be honest, but they're still really into Finn. Yeah. And I think if they carried this on, you know... Don't get any ideas, WWE. Let's not do another House of Horrors match. <laughs> Maybe let's do something a bit more original. But I think, carry it on. Carry on the speed. I think there's a lot more potential like with the mind games aspect of it and them getting in each other's heads. I think there's some real potential. I'd hate for this to be the only match that they have. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. But as a... I've always been a fan of Bray and it, it pains me to see the kind of position he's in. But as you said, Maz, hopefully if they do prolong this feud, it will kind of do him more favours than it does Finn. Because, I mean, even without the whole kind of demon gimmick, Finn is over so much. Like the whole, like, Bala Club kind of thing is, is over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's obviously already been shot to the moon so they don't need to do anything obviously I know they they kind of want to put him in the title picture again at some point but I, as you say I think the whole mind games thing would the, get away from the whole kind of backstage de- segments that they did like with the whole Randy Orton thing and just have them like I know, I know you don't really watch Raw that much Maz but uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago they kind of did a, a reversal of what Bray does. You know when the lights go out and he turns up in the ring? Yeah. Basically, Finn did that, and he had his back to to Bray wearing the, the leather jacket, and Bray was just laughing, and then as he got nearer to kind of tap him on the shoulder and turn him around, Finn Pele kicked him in the head. So that like that kind of interaction works really well, rather than... Bray just being stood in a dark room going off on one of his weird monologues. Yeah. But we'll wait and see. As always, WWE will either surprise us or we'll be here in a couple of weeks' time moaning about what they're doing at the next <laughs> next pay-per-view. Yep. Um, so on to the, the Raw Tag Team titles. Uh, and yet again, another title change. Um before we get into to the match itself obviously everyone was going on about this reunion were you bothered about Seth and Dean coming back together well what I will say is uh, the promo package before this I thought was really great yeah. I thought they told a great story I, again I don't watch Raw very much but from what I've heard about what's going on this is probably the best story going for the show at the moment is this whole dynamic between Seth and Dean uh, I would be into it after seeing this match I think it elevates the titles 
um, because they're both very much over. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of potential for both of them. And obviously, we need more tag teams anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I this was one of my favourite matches of the night, to be yeah. honest. Sheamus and Cesaro are probably my favourite tag team like one of my favorite tag teams in WWE at the moment, they just get it. They yeah. get tag team psychology. Uh, the entrance didn't annoy me as much uh, because. Do you know why? Because they were wearing matching gear this time. They were, and you know what else? I I I found this very interesting. Sheamus had a tiny mighty boosh patch. I yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, I I thought that was very funny that he had that. Uh, yeah, they were matching, finally. It's finally coming together. They have matching trunks, they have matching gear. It's all good. But, um, yeah, if we get on into the match itself, I think this is when things kind of started to pick up a bit more. Um, you've kind of mentioned it there. Sheamus and Cesaro are brilliant as a team. Obviously, I know when they were kind of first put together people weren't really sure of how it's going to work but they've obviously done phenomenally well like the first sort of half of this match was just them completely com- in control of the ho- the whole match which I thought was brilliant um as i said the the whole kind of Seth and Dean reunion it was pretty like the storyline behind it was pretty cool and obviously they've got great chemistry the two of them together so it was nice to kind of see them back my only gripe with it is the fact that okay Seth since he's turned face hasn't done a load and admittedly I will say I've been one of Dean's harshest critics but they are people that should be pushing for for singles titles so to put them to to make up the numbers in the tag division I don't know if that necessarily makes sense in the long run but we'll wait and see how long they're actually holding the titles for because obviously they've lost uh oh my god what are their names the rival the revival there we go completely had a a mind blank then and yeah so they're they're out once again so it seems like they can't even catch a break so So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how long Seth and Dean are in this position for. Well, you know, I think it's it's something that WWE and WWF had done in the past where if they've got two single stars that used to be over and they're kind of, you know, floating about in stagnant waters, they would put them together. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that was the case of Dean and Seth. I mean... We talked about this in the last pay-per-view about how how not over Dean and Seth were because of their single runs. And I think, you know, what people really loved about those two was obviously the Shield. And I think that helps them. I think it elevates them as a tag team as well. Mm. And you kind of remember why you fell in love with them in the first place as well. Yeah, I get that. Um, a couple of points I did want to pick up on, on, on the match itself, obviously... There was a cool bit where um, Seth was just being kind of uh, what's the word isolated in 
in the ring by by Sheamus and Cesaro, and then there was a nice little kind of almost team talk by them um, when they distracted Seth, and then Sheamus went ran round and broke uh, broke kicked Ambrose in the face. So yeah. Seth was completely on his own. Um, the the beach ball spot, <laughs> which the beach ball. I didn't have a clue what was going on at first. I just obviously the camera just saw Cesaro run into the crowd, and then lo and behold, he's just ripping up a beach ball. But well, yeah. Well, this is the thing. I heard about the beach ball because I was trying to avoid spoilers, but I I saw that, and uh, when I watched the match finally today, I saw that beach ball coming, and I was waiting for Cesaro to uh, <laughs> to go grab it. Yeah, he literally bolts for it. It's, yeah. Because you got to think to him, like, how pissed off would you be if you were, like, wrestling and you saw people getting distracted by a fucking beach ball? Oh, you know? yeah. Uh, so I think, and the thing is, <laughs> this is a great thing about wrestling fans, is they were chanting yes when he did that. <laughs> yeah. So, what well, I don't know. I literally have no idea. But. Um, yeah, that was really funny. Very improvised. It just makes me remember why I love Cesaro basically. yeah um, Dean and uh, Seth kind of teasing the, the shield powerbomb thing off the second rope that was a cool little sort of callback and yeah. shows that they've got that in their arsenal later on down the line as well mm-hmm. um, and the, the closing sequence I thought was really good because it actually kind of fit Seth since he's kind of turned changed his music to the burn it down kind of thing as as cheesy as this line is going to sound he was on fire in that last little bit because he yeah. he came came out of nowhere did the the runner off the top rope which kind of broke up um uh Cesaro and Ambrose and then led to a really cool finish which I wasn't I wasn't expecting Dean and Seth to win if I'm going to be totally honest despite all the the hype but once that kind of end sequence happened it it kind of made sense yeah I I like the finish I thought it was uh, quite quite interesting Um, what was it it was like uh, Seamus had Dean in something yeah he had him kind of tucked under to do the the white noise with oh, yeah. uh, Cesaro jumping off. That's it. And then he and did then the he does, like Rollins does the Harakarana yeah. into Sheamus. Yeah, okay. And then yeah, he did the the ripcord knee kind creative. of thing, which mm-hmm. obviously he's stolen from Kenny Omega, but what, sure. Let's what, not get yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that. As I say, that this was kind of the start of a good run of matches, in in my opinion, because then we had uh, AJ Styles against Kevin Owens with uh, Shane McMahon as the special guest referee. Um, yes. There's people kind of online saying that there was too much involvement from Shane, but if you're going to have a special guest referee, he needs to do something because otherwise what's the point in having him um so i was i wasn't 
too fussed about Shane's involvement, to be totally honest. I like the fact that both competitors got in his face and he pushed them and they both nearly got a near fall out of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the the Shane element of this match. What Did, did you think it was a bit too much? Well, no, I don't understand that argument because it's like that's the whole story. Yeah. Like, just if you if you don't want that, then you just get a normal ref in. If you don't want it, because the whole point, the whole point of this storyline is that nor Owens or AJ trust Shane to do the right thing, and he's got to try and be um, sort of, you know, call it in the middle with both these guys and they I, I thought this this was this match I think had the best storyline yeah. going into it as a match and I thought they played all three of them played off each other really well in loads of different spots that happened during the match uh, for some reason Shane doing the least amount in this match made him the sweatiest he was so sweaty. I don't know how that happened. But Kevin Owens getting in his face. Uh, Kevin, oh, I'll tell you what, Kevin Owens is such... He's, he just... He's so good. Like, yeah. As far as like just being someone... He, he told a great story here. He was just trying his hardest to get the pin. Because he wants that belt so much. And, you know, he knows he has to deal with Shane. And he doesn't want to. But he has to... Um, have him do the pin and it just builds up to this story about Shane and Owens you know because obviously we had the spot where Owens thought he had the three count but the leg was on the ropes and uh, Shane called it off you know which meant there was more turmoil between them it was it was a really great match basically there was a point where um, I I can't remember what what the near fall was but um owens was arguing with with shane about it being a two count uh, i can't remember the exact wording but it was something along the lines of like to shane saying how did you not see that or how was that not three were you jumping off another building or something like that along those lines and i, yeah. I thought that was yeah. absolutely brilliant but yeah as the match in general was was really good. I thought, obviously, AJ and and Owens have great chemistry. I think they've every match they've had since together since they've been both in WWE has been flawless. Um, I thought, obviously, we, we've mentioned kind of Shane's involvement. I think Owens pulling him on top of him when uh, AJ hit the springboard 450 was a good little touch um as i said the whole kind of getting in in each other's faces and then being shane pushing them to for the other opponent to be rolled up that was really good um i was for again this is not not a slight on kevin owens this is praise if anything but for a guy his size to take a styles clash that well like if you not that i did this but probably if you could slow that down by frame by frame you can because i could even see it when it was in real time but how he so quickly lifted his head to take that take the impact of the stars clash obviously i know they've worked together elsewhere on indies and stuff so they know 
he knows how to sell that move but it it just looked really good and especially the second one which obviously led to led to the win and ironically the first title defense of the evening um but uh, yeah as as much as this made AJ look good it also didn't do anything bad for for Owens which I think shows how valuable Owens is for the company right now yeah definitely I thought both of them looked uh, both looked great you know again they told a great story and uh, you um, actually bringing up uh, the Stars Clash I saw an interview with Kevin Owens like a shoot interview or something and he was talking about how on the indies he used to take the Stars Clash from the apron onto the floor when they used to do matches oh. on the indies yeah like nearly every match that they do, I would be like, Jesus Christ! Like you'd never be able to get away with that. No. WWE, but the fact that he would do that is pretty crazy. He um, he takes some ridiculous yeah. bumps. Who? Owens. Owens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a madman. He really <laughs> is. Um, I I'm interesting. I'd be interested, I should say, to see what happens now. Because I think it's going to be Owens and Shane going forward. Yeah, like, that's be some sort of match or something. I'd I'd love it actually if AJ kind of did. I know I keep saying it about the US title, but to for him to do a open US title defense, I think would be really cool for AJ to do. Yeah. Um, just because I I like that gimmick. I think it's a really good gimmick to get new stars over and stuff like that. So. I don't know what they do. What do you think they'll do with AJ? Well, this? I kind of had the same sort of train of thought as you. Um, because of obviously what happens in the next match, my train of thought was AJ does the US Open Challenge again. And at some point, Nakamura is the one that answers it. And that leads to an AJ Nakamura feud. But oh, okay. that's what I'd like to see. Um but for the immediate future, maybe I don't. I don't know. I was going to say maybe like Sami Zayn or something, but you can't really have two faces, and so I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting yeah. to see. But weirdly, I'm kind of invested in a KO Shane story because obviously last year we had. Well, no, sorry, this year we had AJ and Shane at Mania. And the build-up to it... Oh, okay, it was a cool build-up, but d- just the whole way before that match, I was just like, why is why is Shane in with AJ? Uh, admittedly, the, the whole yeah. match proves me wrong, but there's something with the dynamic of Shane and KO that is different to what Shane and AJ had, and I'm, a, I'm more invested in it. I th- it might just be because of the way that Owens is with him, like he's just so confrontational all the time that it it might add to the storyline a bit more but yeah in regards to AJ I'd like to see sort of the maybe maybe bring the US challenge back just to kind of feel out who would be a good fit for his next feud maybe yeah and to be honest uh, Nakamura kind of makes sense uh, Mm. in the respect that you know it's a big match um, and to be honest, seeing Shane and KO again, I 
I was like, oh, you know, Shane, he's, you know, because I'll be honest, the AJ Shane match kind of irked me a little bit because it was too technical. Yeah, like, I remember I you saying. Him and K- yeah, and him and KO, I think, would have an amazing, like, hardcore match. Like, just a proper, just, like, ball to the wall, like, just weapons and whatever. Just. I think that would be amazing if they could do it because KO's had some like great hardcore matches in his time as well. Yeah. So, so we'll see. And it goes back to what I said. Obviously, KO can take some ridiculous bumps. So, and we all know Shane can as well. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, so then we move on to probably out of the final four matches, the the least exciting, um, which. <laughs> It's a little bit disappointing because I was really happy for Jinder to to win the title. I think they they drew out the feud with Randy for way too long, um, and this this match with Nakamura, I I don't really think it did either of them any massive favors. To be totally honest, um, I don't know how you feel about it, Maz, but. Since Nakamura's been on the the main roster, he hasn't done anything for me. Like the matches he's had, he does. I think I mentioned this last time round at the last pay per view. He kind of has about like four moves in his arsenal, and that's kind of it. And I don't really know where they kind of what because with with Nakamura at the moment, everyone's obviously loving him. It's it's kind of like got the Bobby Roode effect like he's got this entrance that everyone loves singing along to and I think that kind of detracts from what he's actually doing in the ring because he's not doing a whole lot um, and obviously Jinder is still not the highest of competitors so he's still not doing massive high spots so neither of them were really doing anything in this match for t- for me and then obviously the ending was a typical Jinder Mahal ending with the Singh brothers getting involved and then him hitting the Colossus so that was basically the match but I don't know how do you feel Nakamura's performed since moving up um I it's hard because I feel like he's been overexposed slightly I also think He's. You got to think about. It. He's going into. He's gone into WWE with people that that wrestle very safe style. You know, because when we think of Nakamura in his heyday, you think of like the matches that he had with like Ibushi and AJ Styles and Okada. Like they were just like balls to the wall. That's why everyone was invested with it. Obviously, he's a great character, but the char- the the wrestlers that he's been in there with, some of them, I just don't think they gel well at all. No. And what and what you're saying was completely right. I think his entrance is way more over than his move set because people were so into the song like during this match, but as soon as he did his like. The knees and the the come on, you know that he does with his yeah. hands. Like no one seems that invested in it. And yeah. 
it's 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 hard because I I understand that he wants to work a lot safer now, but I I don't know what the I don't know what is. I think it might be as I think Jinder wasn't the best person to go in this with. No, and I think if we look back to even when when Nakamura first came back came to WWE and NXT, like the very first match he had with Sami Zayn. Obviously, I know Zayn's a little bit more familiar with the style because of his experience on the indies, but that match was nuts. But then ever since then, okay, he had some really good matches with Joe, but on the main roster. As I said, it it just feels like... Uh, I think I mentioned it last time. I can't remember who it was against. But the last pay-per-view he was on... It was just like... One, two moves, King Shaza over sort of thing. And it's just like... The, it's almost kind of like D- Dolph Ziggler's sort of super kick kind of thing. Like, he's just used... The King Shaza's not protected. It's just used like willy-nilly kind of thing. Whereas... I don't know. I feel like he needs that needs to be a move that, kind of like what Neville does with the Red Arrow now, is that he pulls that out when he really needs it. But I don't know. As you say, I think it's the overexposure hasn't helped. Um, but no. but they obviously want to do something with him. I just think this is why I think maybe the the whole U.S. title, whilst AJ's got it, would benefit him because obviously. They're two guys that know each other incredibly well. AJ's obviously adapted to to the WWE style very quickly because obviously he's worked on TV with TNA and so he knows the kind of, as you say, sort of safer style to an extent. So I think that that would benefit Nakamura in the long run. But we'll we'll wait and see. But in in regards to to Jinder, are you glad that he retained? Um, so Jinder's an interesting one for me because I I love the fact that they've given him this opportunity. I think, you know, uh, I think he's that atypical foreign menace heel. Uh, I haven't been watching his promos or anything like that, so I can't judge it from that, but they've got to change finishes of his matches he can't keep relying on the Singh brothers yeah. to because it I mean I get it because he's a heel and he wants to get out as quick as possible but they've got to be a bit more inventive because people are just going to be less interested in it you know um, he looked very veiny this, <laughs> yeah he uh, did this match very veiny uh, I, I will say I wrote a couple notes down I will say the promo package for this was excellent I thought it was a really great way to put both of them over, you know, you know, the sort of the Indian background for Jinder and the Japanese background for um, Nakamura. They, t- I, if I'm completely honest, I think they told the wrong story in this match. I think going into this, it should have been Jinder is far more dominating over Nakamura so Nakamura has to rethink his style or rethink his game plan and he uses more I don't know just more technical moves or being a bit more agile and getting over that way rather than 
there wasn't really a story, and that was a thing, and that's why the the finish was so rubbish. Yeah. Because it was just, you know, oh, the Singh brothers come in, and also that finish from Jinder looked terrible. Yeah, it did. I agree. Yeah, it didn't make either of them look good. It just made the belt feel less like a thing. Because think about this and the main event, you know, which belt looks more established. Oh, know, yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. So I, I would, I'd like to see Jinder carry it on a bit more. I think he's doing well. I just think they need to make him win matches clean. Yeah. You know? Well, in, in that case, who do you think is kind of next for Jinder? Uh, oh, I don't know. I literally have no idea. <laughs> Cena, maybe. No. It, who is there? Like on SmackDown, especially Dun Orton. Uh, who are the what other faces are on SmackDown? Uh, again, yeah. I literally can't think of anyone. Maybe they bring someone up from NXT. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Then if we get on to the... <laughs> if we... Great. Yeah. If we move on to the, the main event, then the Fatal 4-Way between uh, Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe, um, which Michael Cole kindly pointed out was over £1,000 of wrestler in the in the ring, which I thought was pretty pretty impressive, to be honest. Um, but this was just absolutely bonkers and I think it was exactly what was needed at, at the end of this pay-per-view which had probably more sort of bum notes than high notes kind of thing um, I, th- I thought obviously Joe's coming out was super over which was really nice to see Um the stare, but obviously before he nearly got killed. But the stare down, the initial stare down between Brock and Braun was was brilliant. Um, obviously Roman getting booed out of the building as normal. But I think again the MVP, which I can't believe they're still booking him so well, is Braun Strowman. He's he's on fire at the moment. And the the three table spots bit with with Brock. I mean, Brock gets a lot of stick for from wrestling fans for obviously basically doing two moves. But the last two main events he's had, the one with with Samoa Joe, and now this, he's actually putting the quote unquote new guys over, which. I don't know whether he's been told he finally has to do that or he's actually got faith in in certain people because I think the Joe match was an example of that that he wanted to kind of showcase Joe a bit more and obviously Braun is just the most over wrestler in the company at the moment so I don't know if he kind of sees a bit of himself in in Braun or it is a case of Vince has told him this is our next big guy you need to to put him over but we've seen sort of Brock not necessarily take orders in the, in the past so 
I don't know. Do you do you feel that he's kind of lightening up a bit? Uh, as far as Brock, I mean, you got you got to think of it this way. So, I reckon in Vince's head, like Brock should put new people over, but who are fans going to believe that he can put over? Yeah, you see what I mean. And like this, this main event was a perfect example. Like, think of how big these guys are like they're huge people and Braun's the biggest and I tell you what it's I think you cannot put someone more over in a match than Braun did in this um and the whole story of this match is I think the biggest match that they can do is clearly Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar oh yeah um I will be honest, before the match even started, I thought the, the finish was kind of phoned in because of the whole Brock saying, well, I'm going to leave if I don't win. So I was like, well, he's probably not going to win. He's probably going to win, I should say, yeah. if that's the case. But they did a really interesting um, swerve, I guess, uh, it, during the match that made people think, oh, maybe Brock's losing because obviously... You mentioned the three table spots, uh, which I should say now, which really made me laugh thinking about, is how many times have you seen like on indie matches where like people were like doing all these technical moves and they're doing like a couple and like loads of like high spots and they'll get like a this is awesome. This match literally three minutes in, just tables are being destroyed, no moves have been done yeah. and the whole crowd is going mental yeah it was amazing um yeah this whole this match it was such a big jump from every other match that had happened and i think the reason why is because you and my you and myself believe that every single person in this match would could beat the shit out of you yeah like they are such believable badasses. Um, and yeah, it was... Uh, this match really delivered for, for me personally. And the one thing that I thought was, was quite interesting, out of the four, the one that kind of probably looked the weakest was Roman Reigns. And I know we've spoken about this in the past, like... For all the the shit that Reigns gets, he can perform in big matches. But in this one, I think because of the caliber of the other three, and the fact that all I can really remember him doing, apart from the big spear through the barricade at the beginning, was throw very weak ass Superman punches. So and obviously he was the one that ended up getting pinned as well. So. Not saying that obviously they're burying Reigns in any way, shape, or form, because they clearly have massive plans for him. But I thought it was interesting that out of the four, he was the least dynamic. I don't know. Did you do you agree with that at all? Oh, I completely agree. I thought Roman Reigns looked the weakest that he's looked in a long, long time. Um, it, uh, I think it exposed. Oh, like the fact that he's got he did like eight or nine Superman punches in this match yeah. that doesn't help anyone um, you know 
if I was a betting man, I'd say Vince has got a hard on for a new guy. Yeah. Just based on this, I think he sees potential in like a babyface Strowman rather than a babyface Reigns now. Uh, I don't know. That's just me speculating, but um, he did. Yeah, Roman Reigns did look weak in this. Um, I think this was a great. Um, what's the word? Like a radar, I guess, for what the future plans are for each one of these guys. Yeah. Um, I will say a funny, funny spot that made me laugh actually during this was you know when uh, <clears throat> so. So he does the two table spots, and uh, Strowman drops the table on Lesnar. Yeah, that? yeah. So uh, Corey, Corey, I was going to call him Corey Taylor. Then Corey <laughs> Graves says that he says like that the announcer's table is weighs like over a hundred pounds. I was like, there's no way that that table weighs over a yeah. hundred pounds, and he drops it on him. And I just remember Paul Heyman's like on his knees. And he's just going, <laughs> yeah. Rock, rock. yeah. It was, that was brilliant. I love that. No, that I I had that in my notes as well. It was just Heyman completely selling the spot was just phenomenal. But, um, just briefly going back to Roman Reigns because it just reminded me as well. Um, I can't. It might have been on Brock. I can't remember, but it was a point where. Like oh, I can't remember when it was. It was when Brock came back, yeah. but but there was a camera shot of like looking kind of down the ramp to the ring, and it might have been Joe. I can't remember, but Reigns was just out of shot, and then he kind of popped round and did a really weak Superman punch, and like that was the point. I was like, yeah, that, no, that that move needs to change. It just it just looked so airy fairy. It was just yeah. I don't, I don't remember that spot in particular, but I, I do agree that that's, again, it's what we're talking about. It's just overexposure, and it's just, it's lost a lot of luster, that move. Yeah. I mean, it does look weaker the more he does it, basically. Yeah. Um, um, we haven't really touched upon him, but I want to quickly talk about Samoa Joe. Obviously didn't have massive kind of involvement in the match took a couple of suplexes from from Brock but I thought it can't because obviously when he kind of first came into into the main roster he was kind of uh labeled as this kind of assassin like hitman kind of thing and that kind of I think that played back into that because it was almost like he just appear out of nowhere and and lock in the the cookie clutch um, which I think really helped him because it meant he didn't have to to necessarily do any kind of high spots. He could just kind of pick and choose his moments. And obviously, they're making the the cookie clutch out to be this really sort of devastating move. Um, I, I can't remember for the life of me if he tried to put it on Braun. Now, I think it was just Brock and Reigns. But anyway, like. Yeah, I I like what they're doing with with Joe at the moment, and obviously after his loss to Brock at Great Balls of Fire, I think it won't be. I don't he I don't think he'll beat Brock for the title, but I envision maybe maybe not this year, but 
soon we'll see the title on Joe, I think, but that could just be me hoping. Um, I I could see that. Um, I'm not sure whether it be on Raw. Maybe they move him to SmackDown. Oh yeah. Because I just I just feel at the moment he's he. I mean, obviously he had the match with Lesnar, but I just don't think there's space for him there at the moment. That's just my opinion. Yeah, but, no, I I understand that. But we'll see. I mean, I think there's a lot of potential for Joe. Uh, definitely, there's so much potential. He was over in this match. Like, yeah. People were going Joe, Joe, Joe. So maybe it's a versatile title. Maybe it's for you know a secondary title of some sort, uh, or maybe they move into SmackDown. I don't know. Um, because they need to move someone on SmackDown to get that title of Jinder anyway. Um, so the potential's there. I just don't think it's for the Universal title. Yeah. Um, no, I I I get that. I know. I didn't. To be honest, I didn't even think about kind of the move to potential move to to SmackDown. But um, yeah, obviously, well, if we talk about obviously the the ending of the match, obviously we saw the three sort of table spots that got rid of Brock. Then Brock obviously came back, uh, did a couple of. Oh, sorry, gone. No, I was just going to say I thought that was a great part of the story was him being taken out, but comes back out. Yeah, uh, no, I t- I totally agree. And I, there was a part of me that thought, okay, we're definitely going to see a, a new champion, but it was a good sort of curveball that yeah. that they did. But um, yeah, obviously threw a couple of Germans to to Roman and and uh, Joe. And it didn't. The well, I thought again. It shows how well they're protecting Strowman because obviously he attempted to German Strowman wasn't happening. Both Reigns and Joe got hit by an F five, but Strowman didn't at all. So a bit. I, I'm hoping. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see when we next kind of see Brock on a pay-per-view because whether it'll hold out now to Survivor Series I'd, I'd be interested to see if they put Strowman and Brock in now or if they wait till Mania but I don't I don't know if they'll put Strowman in that position yet but I, I don't know do you think Strowman's obviously the next obvious choice for, for Brock yeah he must be the next choice for Brock, uh, I just can't see him going to Reigns, or because if you go to Reigns now, he look, he just he beat him. Yeah, uh, there's not much momentum behind Reigns. Uh, Joe, they've already done so. I yeah, Strowman's the would be the next person, I guess. So you're right. I don't know. I personally would have that at WrestleMania, but there's a long time between now yeah. and WrestleMania. So, I don't know if they... I mean, I guess they could do it. I guess they could get a rivalry started now to go all the way to Mania, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's exciting, though. I'm, I'm very... This match, if anything, was a great advertisement for Lesnar and Strowman. Because, obviously, you're right. He didn't 
do any of his finishes on Strowman, and I think they let let they left a lot to be desired for what they they could have as a match. Yeah, perfect. Well, that was Takeover slash 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 <laughs> slash SummerSlam. Um, as always, we'll we'll end on our favorite moments across. We'll go across both shows. Okay. Um, so. I think we've already mentioned mine. My personal favourite was Paul Heyman screaming, "No, Brock, why?" And why? that, yeah, that was that was my personal favourite. So, what about you, Maz? Um, oh, I don't know. There was a there was a couple of good things. Um, oh, uh, it's got to be Beach Ball Mania. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was my favourite. Yeah, just him running into a crowd, destroying someone's beach ball. Just you can't get anything better than that. Perfect. Um, and I think honor- honorable mention to uh, Red Dragon and and Adam Cole. I think has to be said. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely great ending to NXT for sure. Perfect. Well, there we go. That's that's that. Next time will be No Mercy, I believe. No Mercy will be the next one, yeah. Uh, I can't wait for my break from wrestling. Uh, <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm just so tired, man. So yeah, tired. man. Well, I will let you go Go catch up on some sleep and I yeah. will see you for No Mercy. Alright, dude. I'll see you soon, cool. man. Cool. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Right, bye. There we have it, folks. Seven title changes in total, and Braun Strowman looking like an absolute machine, rounding off a great weekend of wrestling. Um, as always, thanks to Maz for joining me, giving me his opinions on the events. Um, obviously, we agree and disagree on a lot of things, but that's wrestling for you. Everyone has their their different takes on it. Um, let us know what you thought of either uh, Takeover Brooklyn Three or SummerSlam. Uh, by following us over on Twitter, it's at just underscore and underscore insight, uh, using the hashtag JAAPod, uh, so I can see all, t- all your tweets. Um, I'm also going to forego the normal little for- film review segment that I do each week now, um, just because it is nearing 2am on a mon- oh, 2 a.m. on Tuesday morning, so I need to get this edited, uploaded quickly as possible for you guys to hear it. Um... But be back to to normal play next week uh, with the second of our three Fluff Fest interviews. Uh, This time round, I am joined by the vocalist of the US hardcore band Worst Day. So keep an eye out for that one dropping next week. Um, But for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining me on the Justin Insight podcast. And I will see you soon. (laughs) 